0: Welcome Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Friday night edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. I'm Scott Reynolds, and alongside me tonight is J.C. Allen, fellow Pewter reporter and uh, participant out there in the media, uh, with uh, Matt Matera, myself, watching Bucks Rookie Minicamps. So we're going to wrap up day one and talk a little bit about what we're going to look for in day two. The Bucks' entire rookie class was out there. Some undrafted free agents of note were also out there. And we appreciate you Pewter people being out here with us tonight for a special Friday night edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Just so you know, Bucks rookie minicamp wraps up tomorrow and we'll have another Pewter Report podcast tomorrow night. And that's also going to be at seven o'clock. So day two tomorrow night, Uh, JC Allen and Adam Slavon will be on. So, Looking forward to uh, to watching that uh, episode there, as I prepare for a trip to Colorado. Finally making it to Colorado, JC.
1: Finally get out to Colorado, and you wouldn't have done it without Immune Financial. So that's exactly right. Props to them.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, well, computer people, uh, we've got a lot to to discuss tonight because there's a lot of rookies out there, a lot of undrafted free agents as right. well, and uh, you know, JC. Um, we, we also get our first look at Dave Canales. You know, yes. let's let's almost start there a little bit because uh, I asked Ty Bowles today about what he likes about Dave Canales and just the energy he brings. I mean, um, I, I'm not trying to throw Byron Leftwich under the bus at all. I'll do it. <laughs> but I mean, we're, t- we're talking about a night and day difference in terms of energy, in terms of focus, in terms of uh, execution out there, the, the tempo, uh, everything just seemed crisp and proficient. And um, this was our first chance of really getting a, a look at, at Dave Canales and his offense a little bit. We can't really give away too much because this is really vanilla bread and butter stuff they're putting right. in. These the, these rookies' heads were swimming, especially the tryout guys. And uh, you know, at the same time, though, this looked like – a well-oiled machine. It looked like Dave Canales has spent 13 years in, on an NFL coaching staff, and and uh, just the, the the way that he was buzzing between quarterbacks. And these are trial guys. There's no draft pick there, but spending time with the quarterbacks, the running backs, the tight ends, the the linemen, the wide receivers. Your impressions of Dave Canales, JC.
1: Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that stuck out to me and I and I talked to you about it while we we're observing is he wasn't just with the quarterbacks. He wasn't just he was bouncing around from position to position, running the drills at running back, running the drills. Once the running back drills were done, he ran down the field to start working with the wide receivers. Then he started working with the quarterbacks again. So like just seeing his hand in the pot and in every single position group and, and you know, trying to you know, implement what he's taught these guys in the morning because they just got there and and having some of the execution that they had would just very, like, as you said, plain vanilla concepts and things that, you know, most likely aren't even going to be in the playbook of (laughs) just kind of welcome to the NFL stuff. He had great command of the offense. I I think I was really impressed with um, the way that he had had the guys prepared um as far as you know when they went to team stuff and they were you know doing seven on sevens 11 on 11s etc um yeah i count me as a fan you know i'm a fan i got a little bit of one-on-one time and that just yeah further you know uh hyped me up and excited me for what this offense could look like what he brings to the table and what he's going with the changes that he's going to make as a new offensive coordinator i'm all in on dave Canales.
0: yeah i mean um Folks, anybody you talk to, whether it's Ty Bowles, um, on or off the record, whether it's you know Jason Light, whether it's
1: Jamal Dean was out there today. Jamal Dean,
0: yeah, he He wasn't supposed to be out there. (laughs) He wasn't. He wasn't out on the field, but he was, you know, he was uh, working out, uh, you know, today at at the the team facility. But yeah, I mean, uh, there there's some noticeable excitement. We saw that with Harold Goodwin and and Joe Gilbert the other day in the press conference and. And just the excitement level, the players are feeling it, too. It's new. It's a new offense. They're, it's going to be more balanced. It's going to be everyone getting more involved. Uh, you know, John Van Dam, the, uh, the tight ends coach, was even saying how, you know, he loves the fact that he ran 12 and 13 personnel. He's like, get as many tight ends as you can on the field. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I wrote about it in today's SR's Fat 5, JC. I mean, he, he's a nice guy. He is um, he's very forthcoming, um, very open in terms of, of his thought process. He, he explains things to the media, right, to the fans, right? These are on Buccaneers.com. And so if, if, he's, if he's this way, you know, giving us some nuggets, some some details, imagine the level of detail in the communication that's happening inside the classroom with his players.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing things on the field just in rookie minicamp, you know, and, and snippets from what we're getting from the Buccaneers in the offseason workout program. You know, we're getting, uh, you know, guys who are hyped up. You, you talk to Trisha Werfs and you talk yeah. to some of these offensive linemen. They're extremely excited. And, and the fact that Canales isn't just, you know, telling us that he sees stuff that... <laughs> We might not see, and you know he he's explaining in <laughs> There's no what, fantasy
0: football references right. yet from oh, Dick my, Canales.
1: Goodness, and, and he's explaining his thought process. And I think one of the biggest things uh, that really kind of pushed that narrative for me what was Rick Stroud, who, who um, on Wednesday kind of mm-hmm. really pushed that question of, yeah. "Wouldn't it be make sense to to name a starter now?" And you touched on it in, the, in the Fab Five today, and it was—it it was just to me, it was a brilliant answer. Yeah, and, and he gave it—he gave the answer. It gave a detailed answer, a reason yes. why the behind thought process it, behind the thought it. Process. Yes. yeah I was like, whatever. Who, who is this guy? Right? Is this the offensive coordinator? Are they supposed yeah. to talk like this?
0: <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think you know, at the end of the day, too, you look at the results, right? I mean, that's the one thing Dave didn't even say, but it, it didn't have to be said. The results, right. nobody picked Seattle to do anything last year after okay. trading Russell Wilson and, and being left with Geno. Smith, right? It's like the the journeyman who hasn't really done squat in this league. Thirty one you know?
1: years old, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: And he's making his first Pro Bowl, passing for forty three hundred yards. Oh, and by the way, if you're concerned about this offense, it's going to take some time. Listen, of this it, it, there's some growing pains. We even saw that in two thousand two when John Gruden came; uh they had to rely on the defense at the early part of the season. The offense didn't really click till probably the last third of the season, and then to the playoffs. But you know, Seattle last year they had. First of all, they were the tenth ranked team in scoring, right? With mm. twenty-three points per game, uh, just about twenty-four. So they they put points on the board without Russell Wilson. They had a four thousand-yard passer. They had a thousand-yard rusher with a, a rookie running back, a rookie right, Kenneth yeah. Walker, and a pair of thousand-yard wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, JC
1: and if we're taking wide receivers right now, give me Mike Evans and Chris Godwin over those two. Yeah, for, give me the sure. Buccaneers line over the Seahawks line, who was starting yeah. two rookies last year. And that's always been the thing too. A lot of people are like, yeah, well, the offensive line, the offensive line, you know, everyone talks about the Bucks' offensive line. Um, hello, Russell Wilson was yeah. one of the guys <laughs> who, if you believe the reports was, was screaming for them to get invest yeah. in the offensive line. And you detailed in an earlier session with that five talking about the the rankings that the Seahawks were in in rushing yards every year. Every year they had a thousand yard rusher. Every year, whether they were you know top ten or or top five in the league, even if they weren't, they were effective in running the ball. The
0: yards Uh, yards per carry was crazy. I mean, you you go you go back and look and with a bad
1: offensive line,
0: yes, and and even without Marshawn Lynch, even when they were doing you know the the Thomas Rawls thing and. Chris, and Carson. Chris Carson, right? Some, some unheralded backs. They're still averaging you know, over four yards per carry, Right. some of these backs. And, and the, you know, the, the Buccaneers last year, 3.7, you know, was, was Rashad White's average. And, and then you've got uh, Leonard Fournette, which I think was around 3.4, 3.5. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's something to be said about this offense. And, you know, we we've kind of gotten a little overboard with the wide zone concepts, but they also run a lot of mid-zone concepts. And mm. we kind of saw some of that today. Uh, again, right. no trade secrets. I mean they're they're running a form of Seattle's offense. There's gonna be some tweaks based upon the Bucks personnel.
1: Right. And
0: you know, and there's gonna be some some of the things that that uh that Dave Canales wants to run that never got ran in right. in Seattle. And he's even said that he says, I, I get to run stuff that we put in and we never ran. That I right. thought, why are we running this? So it's it's gonna be exciting to see. It's gonna be exciting to see you know, how how some of these rookies, you know, fit in. And it, this this is mostly a defensive draft for the Buccaneers. But yeah. let's start on the offensive side since we're talking about well, Dave I Canales, think, right?
1: I think with Dave, you just said it too, you know, that the the scheme's going to be to fit the Bucks personnel. And that's so huge because if we look last year, yeah. not so much 2000, uh, 2020 and even 2021 to an extent, but last year it was trying to fit in offensive personnel that did not fit the system anymore. Right. And that's why there was so many shortcomings. I think it's funny too. You mentioned, you know, um, the, the mid zone, the wide zone. Speaking to, to Coach Goody and he was like, we had it. We didn't call it. Yeah. And <laughs> And to me, that's a huge red flag on last season because talking to some of the offensive linemen and you have way more knowledge about the inner workings and the debacle that was going on inside the building but talking to these linemen they're like we practice stuff that we felt confident and we went Mm -hmm. to the coaches with stuff that we felt confident that against this team against this look we'll have success didn't get called didn't call it and you heard goody you know talking to um stroud at one point and, and he said you know I can't, I don't call the plays. We got right. them. We, I don't call them. So the fact that he's going to call person plays that fit this personnel and he's yeah. going to, and some, these guys are already, they, they know how to do it. You know, yeah. uh, a, a lot of them, they just never did it anyways. But yeah, I, I think that's going to be um, a huge part of this team's success on the offensive side of the Yeah. Ball.
0: We had a chance to talk to some of the rookies today. We'll get the, the other draft picks tomorrow. Cody Malk was one of the players. Yeah. That we we spoke with, and you know he looks the part, man. I mean he's Uh he's six foot five, um. You know he's he's kind of a Ryan Jensen clone, right? (laughs) I mean he's the quite not quite as big as Jensen. Jensen's probably around three twenty. He's about three oh five right now, but he's going to get bigger once he gets in the NFL strength and conditioning program. But Harold Goodwin's a big man, okay? Like that's Harold Goodwin right there. He was a former offensive lineman, I think, at Michigan, and played you know a little bit of pro ball. Um, he's a big dude. You can see Cody, he's, he's, uh, he's a big guy himself. And, you know, you're looking at, at a guy who's six, five, three Oh five. And, and I know that, that, uh, you know, Shaq Mason was, uh, was listed at, you know, 300, but boy, he looked like he was about two eighty, and, and, you know, and six foot, six foot one. Um, but this is a much bigger right guard. And the way, the way the line is right now, Tristan Wirfs, left tackle. This is this is in pencil, but this is the lineup that they want to see come to fruition. Tristan Wirfs, a left tackle, three hundred and forty-five pounds, three hundred and thirty-pound <laughs> Matt uh, Filer, three hundred twenty-pound Ryan Jensen, three hundred and five-pound Cody Malk, and then about three hundred and fifteen, maybe three hundred twenty-pound Luke Edicky at, at right tackle.
1: Right. And and that gives you all sorts of ability because if you look at these guys, especially um, Werfs, Gedeki, and Mock, athleticism jumps off the page there. Yeah. Um, and, and in this in this scheme, it's going to allow these guys to to you know pull uh, on pull get out in front on poles, climb to the next level, use that athleticism, and, and you know that's the goal. But even if it even if that doesn't come to fruition. You know, you look at the, in, especially the interior of the line, the Bucks have numerous, numerous um, talented and experienced guys who have played games in the league that can, that can start there until Cody Mock's ready. Right? Kind of like what happened with Al Kappa's, you know, rookie year. He, he, sat out the first half of games then got that half a half a year experience yeah um went into that next year was a little shaky his second year third year fourth year turns it on turns into a huge contract with the Bengals so yeah. even if that's the progression of mock I think the Bucks will have to be happy with that too
0: yeah and th- this guy you know he's a mauler JC but he's so mobile I mean it's mm. he's not one of these like you know like just
1: Big burning guys,
0: right? Where I'm gonna fight you in a phone booth. No, he's gonna be on poles and screens and just yes. plopering people downfield. A really, really good athlete. Uh yeah. sticking on the offensive side of the ball, too. Uh we we saw that, that Cody Malk passed the eyeball test. And you know what? When you look at at uh at Payne Durham, the tight end, oh. you know, he also kind of passed the eyeball test. I thought that he he really uh you know. He's got a, a long wingspan. He's a big, long guy, six five, oh, yeah. maybe close to fifty-five pounds, and he's probably going to add five ten more pounds. You know, when he's when it's all said and done for him and his his NFL uh, lifting gets into effect, um, wearing number eighty seven, which he wore all the way through high school into college, and the reason why he wore it is because of Rob Gronkowski, right.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, the story of him getting back into football was pretty awesome. He lost a three-point competition to to one of the high school uh, coaches over there because yeah. he was playing lacrosse his, his freshman and junior year. He only had one year um, in high school as a football player since the eighth grade. Uh, and then obviously he gets that uh, offer from Purdue, goes there, you know has has the first two years to get adjusted to really getting to know the sport again and, and yeah you saw the last two seasons 101 touchdowns 14 uh, 101 receptions 14 touchdowns yeah. he's a big target and that stands out right away when you see him um you know he's he's a guy who who's gonna pay attention to detail he's a, he's a he mentioned it himself he's a leader and he, he at this point you know he's gonna sit back and but once he feels comfortable once he gets that respect he's that's he's gonna especially in a young tight end room, he's going to step up and be one of the leaders. He had a couple drops today. I'm not too worried about that, especially with the quarterbacks throwing the ball to him. Um, But you know, you see his, his catch radius, you see the size of his hands. He's going to be a threat in the red zone contested, contested catches um and, and just a chain mover i think in, in those uh short short yard situations he'll be able to break off the top of his route create just enough separation to use that wingspan use yep. those strong hands of his um and, and in balls for first downs i'm 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 impressed by what i've seen so far especially as a specimen and his yeah. routes are pretty clean too oh yeah and and
0: the, i asked him about he had a really famous and you can even look it up on youtube he had a famous senior bowl catch where it was at the end of the Thursday practice. And he goes up and and makes this leaping contested catch. He's not the fastest guy. He's like a four, eight, seven guy. Right. But, but nobody really gets open unless you're, you know, Kelsey or Kittle, you know, going down the scene, maybe Hawkinson, Uh, but but he make he makes this leaping contested catch goes up and gets it gets his helmet knocked off by the db comes down with it spikes the ball you know gives and, it to Cody and,
1: Mock to spike actually
0: yeah that's right he did yes he gave it to mm-hmm. Cody Mock and so i asked him i said uh, uh was that a spectacular catch for you or was that kind of routine and he said no that's pretty much routine he said uh, our our position coach at Purdue said, uh, you know, in the end zone, you you don't drop it. Uh, if you drop it, there's consequences, not just for you, but for the entire, right. sometimes the, the entire position group, sometimes the entire offense. So he said, I just learned not to drop him in the end zone. 21 touchdowns. That's Ooh. a lot for a tight end in college.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and you can see why. You know, looking at his frame and his size and everything. I I spoke to his uh, coach, Coach Wallace, who was at Purdue, who's now at Louisville. Um, but he said early on, he realized, hey, as you said, I'm not, I'm not Travis Kelsey. I'm not George Kittle. I'm gonna have to find ways best for me to be able to make plays, yeah. create separation, and, and uh, contested catch balls, and and that's what you saw throughout his, especially his final two years at Purdue. And I think that's what he brings in. and. You, you know, Coach Van Dam said on Wednesday he was thrilled to have him at that posi- at, at that spot. Yes. He thought he would have went way earlier. And of course, you know, we Bucks' best bet, no, uh, yeah. you know, no. Uh, so you know, it's a guy that they targeted targeted early on. Uh, Jason Light had to fight his ability. He still traded up for him. You know, give, yeah. just give him a seven, <laughs> but had to fight that inner urge to trade up for a guy. And I think they got tremendous value where they got him. I and again, so these too. aren't guys. Are these aren't guys? Some of these, you know, are going to be Pro Bowlers or Hall of Famers or yeah. All Pros or anything like that. But what they're going to do is. He brought up Jack Doyle, who did have a Pro Bowl um, mm-hmm. as a guy that he that he looks to a lot, and that's the kind of career I can see him having. You know, yeah. There's a, a nine-year career t- as a tight end, maybe one year he catches ten touchdowns, maybe yeah. another year it's three, but he's going to be a contributor on the hey, offense you know, in a variety of ways.
0: Cam Braid was was a hell right? of a of a red zone threat. I mean, had what eight touchdowns one year, six, you know, for a couple of other years. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this guy is more of he's more of an athletic uh, version, a bigger, more athletic version of Cam Braid. Uh, mm. Folks, I'm here in Wesley Chapel, Florida, and you're just down the road from here in Lutz. And there's a hellacious thunderstorm coming. Yes. So, if for some reason uh, I go off the air, JC goes off the air, we'll try to get back on, but we could be losing power here. The sky mm. looks—it's getting dark. It's 7:20, but it—it's looking pretty, pretty nasty outside. So, we'll we'll hope for the best and and hope we we can uh, give you another 20 minutes of this podcast here. But um, the, we would be remiss, you know, if we didn't talk. We're talking about draft picks, right? And you know, every morning, I I make my draft pick, uh, and I, I pick a Celsius to start my day. Ooh. And why wouldn't I? It's the official energy drink, computer report. And more importantly, um, it gets me going in the morning. I can't write stories. I can't proof stories. I can't crop pictures. I can't do interviews. I can't do anything until I've had a Celsius. And this morning, I had the tropical vibe. But boy, that new Oasis vibe, the sparkling prickly pear and lime. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's a great afternoon drink for me because it's not as sweet. And that sparkling lemon lime is is in that same vein. It's not terribly sweet. It's just... it's a great afternoon drink for me.
1: It's a soda that starts with an "s" that you can get. That's made by a certain company. That's yeah. what it tastes like. But it doesn't have any of that sugar. Doesn't exactly. have any of that crap. And it gives you the energy you need. It's it's quickly becoming one of my favorite ones right there. But you know you can't go wrong with any of the flavors because they're all delicious and they all give you the energy that you need. Whether it's a vibe, whether it's an OG flavor, when it's whether it's one of these new flavors, uh, Celsius is absolutely. Uh, An essential part of my day. I know it's an essential part of your day to to get us going and to keep us going throughout the day.
0: It is. Where can you find these tasty, essential energy drinks? Well, you can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address. You'll have all of these health and fitness stores, convenience stores, grocery stores, and bodegas, as Matt Matera would say and go grab a couple cans of Celsius. Once you find the flavors you like go to Amazon, buy them in bulk. You can also order Celsius now on Instacart. Ooh. So, a lot of great ways that you can get Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report. Uh, let's continue on. Let's kind of wrap up the offensive side a little bit here. We're spending most of this time on the draft picks. We'll we'll talk to him tomorrow, but uh, Trey Palmer is a player. Ooh. Um, when I saw him today, you know, and this is Trey Palmer with uh, with Brad Edzik. He is the New receivers coach came with Dave Canales from Seattle. And if the name Idzik sounds familiar for you, old time Bucks fans, that's John <laughs> Idzik's son. John Idzik was Rich McKay's right hand man, the Bucks capologist back in the day, kind of like what Mike Greenberg is to Jason Light. And this is his son and was uh, born and raised in Palm Harbor, Florida. So he's coming back home. And that's him with Trey Palmer, his latest uh, toy, wide receiver, four-three-three speed guy, pretty good size. <laughs> And and I tell you, um, this kid looks smooth today. That's that's the Ugh. word I kept writing down. Just a smooth operator at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at it; he can do a variety of things. I mean, you saw him stretch the field, which he did, and make some great catches. Uh, again, we're talking about quarterbacks who are who are tryout players who aren't necessarily going to probably be on rosters and we'd be back working at, you know, wherever they got their degree or whatever. Um, so there was a lot of low balls that he had to dig out of the ground. Yeah. Um, and I was very impressed by that. He had a one play where he um, he boxed out, actually got up and boxed out the defender to bring the ball down. Um, so I, I was very impressed by what I saw to Trey Palmer. Now, again, these guys are in helmet shorts and yeah. shirts. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. This is just first
0: impressions we're talking here.
1: Right. Exactly. First impressions. I, I, and he didn't look
0: slow either, right? No,
1: not (laughs) not at all. Not at all. And I don't think, I know a lot of people are, are comparing Scotty Miller. Obviously he's wearing number 10, but I think he's going to be able to bring a lot, a lot to the offense more than what Scotty could do. And I know Scotty, you know, had trained, especially last year to be able to do more things. And he just didn't have his number called, but I think Trey Palmer, uh, Can not only stretch the field, but he can be an asset in other ways on the field as well, whether that's underneath routes, etc.
0: A couple of sleeper receivers that they've signed as undrafted free agents. And this is a guy you like, Raheem Jarrett from Maryland.
1: Yeah, Raheem Jarrett again, smooth in and out of his breaks, made some tough catches. Um, I really like what he brings to the table. He's another fast guy, uh, bigger guy. Um, You know, they have Devin Tompkins and Kalen Geiger on the on the roster still but these guys are a little bit bigger than them um and they can still move so I'm excited for him I thought Tay Barber stood out as well he had some nice catches um he's another guy a lot of people don't know this but Tay Barber is top five and top ten in receptions and, and yards at TCU and they just put out Quentin Johnston and somebody uh, I forget the other draft pick Darius came, uh, Davis Darius yeah. Davis plus mm-hmm. they've had two other first rounders uh Jalen Rager and I yep. Get the other guy's name over the last three years, and he's still in that top ten in school history. So when you got R- Rakim or Rakim Jarrett, can't we're still trying to figure out how to pronounce it, yeah. uh, and Tay Barber, as well as the next guy we're going to talk about, who I know you're excited about as well. Um, you know who's that? It'd, it'd be a little old Cade Warner there, Kurt Warner's son. So oh yeah, we I, saw I a think
0: Cade Warner today.
1: They have a good trio of undrafted guys to pair with Trey Palmer and pair with the undrafted guys they had last year.
0: The thing I like about uh, Cade Warner is not just the fact that he went to Kansas state and I saw him play and do really good things for the last two years for your (laughs) big 12 champion Wildcats. Um, But uh, yeah, every man a Wildcat. But the the thing that, uh, that I keep coming back to when I look at him and, and, and I trust me, I saw every, Wildcat game over the last two years after he transferred from Nebraska. And uh, I, I told Jason Light, I said, we get to split this guy. He's he's like part Cornhusker and part Wildcat. So we need to keep him around. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that's that's really intriguing about uh, Cade Warner is he really reminds me of Adam Humphreys at a Clemson in 2015 where he was an undrafted free agent. And you know what? It, it's like all he did was just catch the ball. You just get open and catch the ball. Wasn't flashy. Did a lot of the dirty work, the gritty catches, as Bruce Arians would would call them, the grimy catches, right? Mm. And uh, just good route runner, smart guy. What I liked about Cade Warner today, when when I asked him, I said, uh, you know what, what do you bring as a wide receiver to this team? And uh, I loved his answer. He said, "Well, I, I'm I'm the smartest wide receiver in the draft." Mm-hmm. He said, and, and I mean, he does have some swagger. I talked to my K State people, and they said that. That, uh, yeah, he does not lack for confidence. He has got a big chip on his shoulder. He's always been overlooked. Um, but I thought he made a very good impression today, caught a lot of balls. Mm. And I I think he's got a chance to stick. He, he's going to be playing the slot. So that's a position with Chris Godwin moving outside for the majority of the reps. You're going to see probably more Russell Gage in the slot and, um, We have actually a better picture of of Cade Warner here. Let me. me Oh, there it is. Yeah, it looks so much better. Uh, But I mean, just the concentration, getting open, smart guy, heady guy, a bigger body, maybe a tick faster than Adam Humphreys, but he carved out a nice career for himself as a Mm -hmm. kind of a chain mover. You know, you don't want him on the field as your number one or number two or number three, but, you know, rounding out the depth chart four, five, and six, and also playing special teams. I mean, yeah. it, it, K-State, is we're known as special teams you with our return game and coverage teams and all that. Right. He's got the experience doing that. Um, if he makes this team, it's probably going to be as wide receiver six. I, I think Rakeem Jarrett, Devin Tompkins, there's some guys that are flashier, that that have more speed. Obviously, Trey Palmer. But you know what? If this guy can not drop the ball and get open, he might be a wide receiver six.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, he's your classic possession guy, right? He's gonna yeah. move the chains. He's gonna find those voids in the in, in the in the zones, and he's going to be a quarterback's best friend. He's he's got that quarterback IQ from you know learning from his father, and and that's gonna get beat down into like a dead horse. I didn't want to, you know, uh, everyone's gonna ask him about his dad, his dad, yeah. his dad. But I think when you um, listen to him, you know, don't forget who you are, is, is yeah. one of the biggest messages that his dad gave him, and one of the biggest things that he related to us. So mm-hmm. I think with Cade, he's going to be able to um earn a roster spot here by yeah. just doing that, being that guy who's going to make those tough catches, be mm-hmm. in the right zones, be that safety valve for the quarterback and, and show that consistency day in and day out. And I, I think that's a strong possibility for him yeah. as either wide receiver six or if he doesn't get an opportunity right. on another team's roster. He'll be back in the practice squad a thousand percent. I don't think they'll let him go.
0: Yeah. Interesting story with with Cade Warner. The, his last game, he said, the last time I was in Tampa was for my dad's Super Bowl. Oh,
1: yeah, when, that's when, right.
0: When the Steelers came back to beat the Cardinals, when he was the Ken Whisenhunt was the head coach, not Bruce Arians, Ken Wisenhunt. And and Kurt Warner was the quarterback of the Cardinals ending his career out there. And and the Steelers came back to beat uh. Kurt Warner and the Cardinals and young Cade was, was there. It was not a great day. Interesting story about Kurt. Now is after Cade transferred from Nebraska to Kansas state, you would see Kurt Warner all the time uh, with Mm -hmm. Brendan Warner at K state games. And you know, who else was there? Rondé Barber was there.
1: Oh yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) Rondé Barber's daughter, justice is dating High school sweethearts with RJ Garcia from Tampa, who is a receiver I coached with the South Pasco Predators. And so it's interesting that you would have at K-State games, Rondé Barber and Kurt Warner, right? Like enemies for years in 1999 and 2000 and 2001, both wearing purple and white because – RJ and Cade Warner were both receivers for the Wildcats. So kind of some crazy Kevin Bacon stuff happening there, but um,
1: <laughs> right, it's just interesting, right? Kurt's going to be a big proponent. I mean, he's already he's already a Bucks fan. I, I tweeted some oh, pictures yeah. out, and he's already retweeting. He's, he's responding and interacting with the Bucs fans. I think uh, Stank, as you guys know, with the loose cannons, blamed him um, for one of the – I forget the receiver's name, but one of the catches that ended the Bucs um, – uh, tenure in that twelve to nine playoff game, and he's yeah. like, he's like, is this punishment the bird Emmanuel? Yeah, is this yeah, the bird this manual Yeah, is this punishment for the Bert? He's like, it, it may well possibly be, you know. And now he's on your team, that yep. you can have him. So it's it's exactly. he's gonna have a lot of fun with the Bucks fans, and and I, I expect him to probably pop in around training camp and yeah. etc. And be around as well. So I it's, think so it's, too. Good.
0: Uh last offensive player that I've I've got a picture of and we'll talk about is this guy right here. Oh yeah. <laughs> Chris Murray from uh, from Oklahoma. This guy is he's a wide body. I mean, <laughs> this picture is not stretched, folks. This is there's no no editing here. This is he's a wide dude, like 6'1, 294, and uh, very quick and agile. I, I typically don't like Oklahoma Sooners. I just don't right. like them. I love yeah. this guy's game. He is he is so fun to watch. Uh, if this guy was, say, 6'3, 6'4 with longer arms and maybe 304 pounds rather than 294, he probably would be a day two draft pick, probably a third rounder. He's got some great skills, uh, it, it loves to get out and pull and, and you know, trap. And, and he is a, a really interesting piece. Probably not going to be a starter. But he might become one of those like Nick Leverett types, where he's a super sub, you know, and yeah. and and maybe might push. Uh, you know, you never know. I mean, Shack Mason at, at his size, right? I mean, this is this is almost like a Shack Mason type. But but uh, this is going to be a fun guy to watch in camp because he's got some really good tapes. So check out his tape on YouTube. He's got a highlight reel, which is usually you don't have that for offensive <laughs> linemen, but he's got one. So
1: yeah. Working at center, too, so, you know, played guard. majority of his reps were at guard. He was the guy, number one center in there with the quarterbacks when they did, uh, you know, their teamwork. So, he's making that transition, which gives him another, more flexibility in order to make the team. You look at John Mulchen type, you know, that Nick Revet type guys who are versatile can do, the more you can do, especially as an offensive lineman when, Mm. you know, you're going to keep, a certain amount, uh, it's better for your chances to stick around. So I, I, I was impressed by him today, too.
0: I was, too. Folks, um, I hope you're enjoying this Friday night's show. We're about halfway through, and we're having a lot of fun. So make sure that you come back tomorrow night. If you, We've we got some JC fans here in the house. We're like, JC, glad to have you back. We are glad to have you back. And you're going to see more of JC tomorrow night because he is going to be hosting along with, with Adam Slavon, the – the uh, day two recap. There's Kalaja Kansi, so that's a good time to transition to defense. But uh, So make sure you stick around Saturday night for a special Saturday night edition at 7 o'clock p.m. of the Pewter Report podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I like defense, JC. So this is this is fun oh, yeah. to see all these defensive guys out there, these draft picks. So there's Todd Bowles. He's very happy. Uh, Casey Rogers looking on. Kalaja Kansi. There's uh, uh, Jeremy Banks. Very interesting, undrafted free agent out of Tennessee. Mm. bowls had a lot of interesting things to say about him, a lot of complimentary things. He just finds the ball right, and yeah. and that that just kind of pops on tape. He yeah. is one of those guys that just plays at a different speed, and and so you, let's start with Elijah Kansi here for a second. Um, you know, quickness. I mean, the, <laughs> get the, off the, the get off is there, man. It's it is quick. It is fast. He is as quick and fast as advertised.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, when they move because in, in camp, you know, they're not going to have a someone snap the ball every time. So get the ball in the stick, and it's it's so cool. Yeah. But whenever they move that ball in the stick to simulate the 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 quarterback hiking the ball, man, he was gone. He was off the ball yeah. into the pads. Um, you know, they do the under the trampoline. To, I don't know if it's trampoline, but it's it looks like a trampoline. You know, they get under there and then they have to you know stay low to the ground and get up and use that that leverage that they're working. And, and every time you see, he is just quick off the ball, you can see, you know, right there, he's, he's got the, he's got good strength um to push the pads back. And yeah. I, I'm really excited to see what this guy can develop into and how they utilize him because standing next to Vita Veya, uh, yeah. these are t- going to be two different <laughs> sized athletes, <Yes. laughs> but Vita Vea last year led the team in sacks yeah. fighting through double teams. Elijah Cancy with Vita, Ve- Vita Vea standing there and taking those double teams isn't gonna yeah. have, have that problem, and he's gonna be able to use that quickness, that burst, that explosion yeah. to you get know, to the quarterback. It's gonna be fun to watch.
0: Vita Vea is not gonna lead this team in sacks this year. He, now, he, now, <laughs> he might get six and a half again. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna necessarily take a nosedive for the, the nose tackle for the Buccaneers, but I, I he might get six and a half again. He might get seven, but he's not gonna lead this team in sacks. Oh. I'm not saying Elijah can't see will as a rookie because it's hard for rookies to right. come in and. And make an impact. You saw two and a half sacks from Logan Ryan. I mean, Warren Sapp had three as a rookie. Gerald McCoy had three as a rookie. Vita Vea had three as a rookie. It's just it's hard to do going up against grown man strength in your rookie year. On the other side, because those offensive linemen get paid too. But
1: he's um, going to make an impact, though.
0: He's going to make an impact. And and you know what? If he doesn't get the sack, his penetration ability, his quickness is going to set up sacks for others. G, JC.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, that's the biggest thing. When you got Vita Vea and, and Cancy coming in there with their – I mean, because remember, Vita Vea is no – at his size, at his weight, he's no slouch. He can move after the ball. There's yeah. a reason why Bulls feels comfortable dropping him coverage <laughs> in certain looks. Um, So, you know, with those two guys being able to penetrate in the middle, it's yeah. going to flush plays out to the pocket. And that's where it's going to create opportunities for a blitzing Devin White or blitzing Servasier Dennis or for Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, Anthony Nelson, Shaq Barrett, Yaya Diaby jose ramirez these guys are yeah. going to create those situations where you know it's one-on-one with a quarterback and, and it's up to you to finish and wrap them up i know joe try struggled in that area last year yeah but you damn better make sure that him and edwards are working on that throughout this entire season so what yeah. that's going to be able to do is exactly what you said is if it's not them making the sack they're creating opportunities for everybody else getting after the rusher.
0: that's right um we had a question here i'll bring this back up from cansy culture i love that name is all of our draft picks officially signed no none of the draft picks are signed yet Um, and they're not going to be for a while, they have to create some cap room. I think you're going to see a Mike Evans extension coming up soon. Yeah, they have
1: to. I mean, he's I, I detailed this in a, in a in an article. They have to do something yeah. uh, to open up cap space, not just for the rookies, but also for practice squad salaries that are yep. counted under the salary cap. And also, money. I mean, look at what's happened the last couple of years. They need money to operate during the season if someone gets injured or to bring someone in. And yep. quite frankly, I don't know if they're done bringing people. And Will golston's a huge opportunity to come back. Yep. Um, it was interesting because Kayvon Merriweather got 26. Uh, which was Logan Ryan's number, but I don't yeah. think that precludes him from possibly coming back. They feel like right. they need a veteran there for that slot or a nickel guide to come in, so they need to open up some money. They're not going to extend Devin White at this point. Shaq right. Barrett coming off an injury with his um, with his age, I don't think they touch that contract, yeah, and agree. if they extend worse, it's going to create a bigger cap hit. So yeah. Evans is the only play left, and whether that's an mm-hmm. extension or restructure, you figure they're going to keep him around in the long term. It's going to be yeah. Why push that money down the line into void years when you can just extend it and push it yeah. that way? So just yeah, I, I agree. I think it's an extension, probably two or three years, probably around sixty million dollars.
0: I agree. And uh, a couple of guys, did you mention? they we had a chance to talk to one of them. We'll get a, a chance to talk to the other tomorrow. Uh, Thirty-three is Jose Ramirez, the the last draft pick of the Buccaneers in the sixth round, and then number zero, call him Sub Zero, like Mortal Kombat, Yaya Diaby, Yaya. and boy. This guy passes the eyeball test. He he's a big dude. And uh interesting journey to the NFL. I uh, was actually working at Hartfield Airport uh in Atlanta for a, a bit, went to Georgia Military College, just mm. kind of took a long path. I mean, he's you know, what is he now? 32, 33 years old? No, he's not that old. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean he's 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 t- he's taken a, an interesting route to get here, but the most important year was last year, and that was nine sacks at Louisville when it, he put it all together and in this, this kid's upside is special. Uh, you keep hearing the term heavy hands, speed to power. And I think it's the emphasis on power. He he does have the speed. He's got four or five speed, which is insane for somebody mm. six three two sixty three. three but more importantly is just the power. And that was really documented very well in an article on Peter reports. I'll drop it in the chat here while you give me your thoughts on Yaya Diaby. But, but um, the the power that the plays with,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's not just a speed to power too. It's one of the most important things edge rushers need to have. And maybe Jose Ramirez has a little bit better of it, but he's got great bend too. Yeah, uh, to be able to get down low, uh, you know, almost parallel with the ground, and just e- escape those long arm tackles reaches. So you know, when you pair that with his speed to power ability, with his ability to get after the quarterback, uh, being his, his he. Brings a lot of strength um, at, and in the, the preparation as well. He watched yeah. a ton of tape, speaking with his coaches, uh, Mark Ivey. He, he said there would be times where he came in early or came in late. And the dude – same thing with Jose Ramirez when I spoke to his coach. They're asleep in the film room because yeah. they stayed up overnight and they passed out watching film. These are guys that are going to not only um, rely on their athletic abilities – but rely on their instincts, their smarts, and, and their preparation, and and they do it very well. And, and both two guys who not necessarily dropped in coverage because of their prowess as pass rushers, right. but both of these guys' coaches feel like they can do it and, and it's not going to be a problem for them. And speaking with you know Larry Foote um, and, and Coach Edwards as well, they don't feel like it's going to be a problem for these guys picking up, dropping back in coverage as well. So excited to see yeah. what they do as pass rushers, but we know – in a top Bulls defense, you got to be versatile. You got yeah. to be able—they they drop back Vitevaya. You, you right. got to be able to play in space <laughs> as well. And these guys have the speed and athleticism to do so as well.
0: Yeah, and you know we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about linebackers as well. And we know right now that that Devin White is uh, maybe he's changing his mind about holding out, but he hasn't been at the voluntary workouts, and nobody seems to be too concerned about the, that yet. We'll see if he ends up coming to the mandatory minicamp. If he doesn't, that could be an interesting sign of maybe a holdout for training camp looming,
1: or maybe just trying to make
0: a point um, with this. And then he shows up for camp a lot, a lot of time between now and then, but one of the, one of the guys that made a a big impact today is might be my favorite player in this draft. Uh, Servassier Dennis uh, with an interception today and uh, actually a pick six. Uh, in practice and just a really heady player really stood out to me when I did his combine interview. Um, Just cerebral guy. You can't play linebacker or safety for Todd Bowles. If you're stupid, you just can't, you have to be a very intelligent guy. Uh, Bowles is a very intelligent guy and he demands that from the guys that, that, uh, that are the leaders on defense in terms of, of calling the defense, whether it's calling the coverages at the safety position or calling the entire defense at the middle linebacker position. Servasio Dennis is a player that that started off at Pittsburgh playing the Mo linebacker spot, which is that weak side Levante David spot, and, and then worked his way to playing the Mike, and the entire defense ran through him last year at Pitt. Um, the Pittsburgh defense, very similar to Tampa Bay's defense. It is pressure. It is attack. It is come at you. It is disrupt the quarterback. And I, I like the idea of having Servasier Dennis, who was number seven, now number eight, taking Kalaja Kansi's number, right? Because Kalaja <laughs> Kansi was eight <laughs> at Pitt. It, yeah. But having those two guys that, that have that chemistry, like some of those A-gap blitzes, right? I mean, this guy had seven sacks last year, yeah. JC, at Pitt. But, but having that, that chemistry already to be able to work off each other and, and, you know, create some pass rush lanes. Uh, either, you know, e- either he comes in and, and slams the guard and you've got Kalajikansi stunting around or you've got Kalajikansi occupying a blocker and freeing a, a pass rush lane for, mm-hmm. for Savasie Dennis.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny, too. Like when, when we talked about Savasia Dennis, you, you bring up the pressures, right? He, he can get to the quarterback. He was one of the best at it with Pitt last year, so they utilized him in that role more so than putting him in coverage. Uh, you know, we, we talked uh, talking to his coach and everything like that. You know, um, he said pretty much that thing. He was such an asset as a pass rusher that we we didn't drop him in coverage off. Yep. And that was a big knock on him. Well, can right. he cover? Can he cover? Dude just drops back in the coverage today, high yeah. points the ball, catches it, intercepts it, runs it back for a touch, would-be touchdown. Yeah, Like, he can cover. He can cover, yeah. And <laughs> you know, At least at the basic level, he can cover it. Yeah. His instincts, as you said, the smarts to read, react and realize, this ball's coming to me. Uh, yeah. i got to jump for it, but I'm going to get it, and then I'm going to – follow my blockers like a running back would into the end zone and, and you know, pose for some pictures at the end So
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think, too, and I, I just put Josh Capo's other article on Cervasi Dennis, which had some great film clips, where he said, you know, he was asked to do a lot of blitzing uh, at Pitt, but it doesn't mean he can't cover. And right. this just validates what we saw today, validates Josh's <laughs> point, right? He'd read, react, picked off the pass and, and took it back. So this is going to be an exciting player. The other guy we talked about a little bit earlier is uh, Jeremy Banks from Tennessee. Both of these linebackers, in my opinion, have the ability to eventually become starters in the NFL. Mm. And I'm telling you right now, the Buccaneers feel very, very confident that they are in a position of strength when it comes to Devin white. Uh, It it would, it would best serve Devin white to show up for for mandatory mini camp and to show up for, training camp because Cervassi Dennis and or Jeremy Banks, one of these guys could start alongside Levante David. That's yeah. the ability they have. Now are they going to pick up the, the playbook fast enough to do that? You can always give the green dot to Levante. He can call the defense. Right. Right. But I'm just saying Devin White, you know, maybe not too concerned about KJ Britt or JJ Russell taking a spot. They have two guys now that this team likes an awful lot, just from their college film, and and both of these guys made a good first impression today.
1: Yeah, KJ Britt's on notice. Uh, he is fighting for a roster spot, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I think you know he is that classic two down thumper. Right, uh, he's been pretty good on special teams, but when you look at Savasier Dennis. Uh, and you look at Jeremy Banks. These are three-down linebackers. Um, yeah. These are guys who have the smarts, the ability, uh, the 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 tackling pedigree, um, the ability to get after the the, the quarterback, the ability to to, to play in space. KJ Britt is on notice. JJ Russell, practice squad guy, but KJ Britt might be looking for a new home yeah. if, if these guys have a good training camp, especially because you look at the money. You know that that you know they. The bonus that they gave to banks. They definitely want to keep him around as well yeah. and, and develop him. You know what you got in KJ Britt? He's not a guy you can rely on. They yeah. learned more you about know what? that. He's going to have to as well.
0: Yeah, he is going to have to really, really like be the special teams ace. And he was a good special teamer last year, but he is going to have to really show out on special teams yeah. to solidify his job. And what was the first thing that, that they did today at the Bucks Rookie minicamp? Special teams James. work. There's Cervasi Dennis right next to Cade Warner. Both those guys played a lot. Even though they were starters, they played a lot on special teams. So yep. they come ready to contribute on special teams. That was one of the reasons why they signed Warner as well, because he was a core special teamer at K-State, despite being a starter, wide, wide receiver as a senior.
1: That's so, a starting PP.
0: Yeah, personal protector. And that is the most important position on punts. It shows you got to have leadership ability and knowledge and you, you have to be able to pick up, you know, where, where the, 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 the blitz, or I should say the rush is coming from and, and make, make essentially the line calls there. If you have to slide protection a certain way, right. very cerebral guy, this Cervasier Dennis, uh, I guess we're going to be calling him boss now. That's <laughs> V-O-S-S. That's kind of what his name is, but uh, we'll find out that tomorrow for sure when we have a chance to interview him. But um, and then let's kind of round out some uh, some guys in the secondary here. Uh, one of Kurt, or Cade Warner's teammates, Josh Hayes, from Kansas State, who also is a former teammate of Cody Malk from their days at North Dakota State. Right. So there's an interesting connection there. North Dakota State is, is, uh, is kind of like the Alabama of the FCS. They're just the national powerhouse. And their coach, Chris Kleiman, won like four national championships there. He's he's kind of like the Nick Saban at the FCS level. <laughs> and he was hired by Kansas State a couple years ago and um and has obviously turned the Wildcat program, you know, around. We beat TCU and won the Big 12 championship. And um and and was looking for another guy to, to play that star safety position, that nickel slot uh, guy Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where uh, Josh Hayes uh, came into play. He played a couple of years at North Dakota state, transferred to Virginia. It just didn't work out there. He comes, becomes an impact starter for the Wildcats this year and his speed jumps off the tape. He's a four four guy that has some, some cornerback background. He was a cornerback, very physical guy, really good tackler at North Dakota state and that's why it really didn't work out for Anton Winfield jr. In the slot is because he was a safety at Minnesota with the golden gophers Mm. and just didn't have enough man coverage experience. And you just can't force feed a guy enough, even though they did in training camp a bunch, it just wasn't enough. And so here you have a guy and I think he's going to be competing really with Chris Eisen, who is from Rutgers um, kind of a, Antoine Winfield clone if you will from a size and speed standpoint and a hitting standpoint but Josh Hayes this this guy was a bit of a blur on the field he's got some some wheels
1: yeah he's got great closing speed talking to his coaches, one of the things that stood out to me Uh, obviously was his leadership uh, surprise surprise the Bucks drafted guys with good character and good leadership abilities Um, but you know He's a guy who's got a goldfish mind, and that's such a big attribute that you have. You can have all the skill set in the world; you can be the best player in the world, best athlete in the world at cornerback and safety. If you don't have that mindset to move on from a play once you get beat and put it in the rear view, then it's gonna it, it affects some of the some of the best athletes and best players that have ever come out of the draft. And he's got that in spades. And not only that, he he infects that to the rest of his team um, where where some guys might get down and, and uh, Coach Malone called it fall into the tank. Yep. He doesn't fall into the tank and he doesn't let his teammates fall into the tank. And that's going to be a huge position, especially at nickel, because you're going to get beat. I mean, it, it happens. Um, it happens at every position in the secondary, but especially nickel it can be tough because these guys are finding that open zone, open spot, and and, and you have to be there. But I think he's going to get a real opportunity, as you mentioned with Christian uh, Isaiah and, uh, yeah. uh, Isian, Isian, there we go, Isian, Christian yeah. Isian um, to, to win that nickel spot. And they're going to find out real soon what they have there. And if they need to bring a guy in, Coach said they'll bring a guy in. But they're happy with those two guys. And probably Zion McComb will get a couple, some, couple snaps, D Delaney, and they'll figure out what they have there. And I think with Hayes and with Isian, they've got two quality rookies that can come in and give you good snaps Yep. Um, good speed to go along it and, and great intelli- play intelligence as well.
0: Definitely. And some position versatility too. Right, Hayes can sure. also play safety and so can Izzy. And so uh, it really kind of bolsters that safety room that was a little lacking prior to the draft. Right. Folks, if you notice this little um, crawling ticker here at the bottom, it says subscribe to our Pewter Report TV YouTube channel. We want you to do that. Thanks for you know joining us on this Friday night. Hit the like button. What that does... Helps our algorithm with YouTube. It helps us get our videos up on the search engines and in front of more awesome pewter people like you guys. That's why we do this show. It's why we're up here Friday nights for you guys, giving you the scoop from Bucks rookie minicamp. And uh, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, round out the conversation with uh, with another defensive back. And Todd Bowles even talked about him today. And this is uh, Kayvon Merriweather yeah. from uh, Iowa. And you know, you look at Iowa defensive backs, and they all have some some common traits. They're physical, they're big, they like to hit, they make splash plays, and and that's it, it's kind of surprising this guy wasn't a day three pick. Safeties yeah, was, though, it, sometimes that's the position. Safeties and running backs they kind of just slide out of the draft, though. JC,
1: yeah, I was surprised he wasn't drafted even late in the draft, but I think you know Merriweather, he was he, he didn't really make a. He didn't stand out to me today, yeah. but that's because that's not his game, Scott. His yeah. game is when the pads come on, and that's when he stands out. When he's knocking, you know, tight ends off the top of the route, when he's, you know, bringing the lumber and laying people down, um, and, and I think that's when Merriweather is really going to stand out. Now that's not to say he had a. Oh, there's a the thunder. That's yeah. not to say that he had a bad uh, first impression or anything like that. I just think when you look at him, there's certain players, especially like on defensive line, and that's you know, offensive linemen, until the pads go on, it's just you know it, it's hard to really get a great read on him, and and he's the type of player that when the pads go on, the intensity goes up. Yeah. And, and I think once we once we get into training camp after the warm up period, that's when Merriweather is going to start turning heads, and, and I'm excited. I I really like the player. Um, I, like everything Bull said, everything that you just mentioned too. You know, he is one of those classic Iowa safeties that's going to lay you out. Um, so you got to keep your head on a swivel <laughs> when you're on the field with him. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Took Logan Ryan's old number. Yep. Obviously, you know, like I said, if they want Ryan back, I'm sure he'll move on to a different number. But yep. um, he looks good in 26 to me.
0: He does, yeah. As Grace Point says, come on, y'all, seven likes. Let's do better. We appreciate yeah, all the get, likes. and up. Everybody tuning in uh, for tonight's show. Remember, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Saturday night, and we're going to have Day two, the recap of the um, the rookie minicamp um, from Richard here. Hey, SR for the week. The Bucks were the throwbacks. Will you rename the company for the week uh, to the Creamsicle Report or even Fantasy vibe Report? That's <laughs> sure, awesome. Celsius
1: would like that. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah, we, we might be Fantasy vibe Report for a week uh, just because um, of the the creamsicle flavored Celsius. Yes.
1: Right. Two two other housekeeping things. I know a lot of people have been asking about Sean Tucker. Um, yep. Sean Tucker was not one of the 18 guys who are announced to be signed. Yep. He is still very much in play. He's going to be joining the team. Still got to go through some, you know, um, obviously doing that medical condition, have to go through and make sure they can get him medically cleared before, especially yeah. he, he's, he, he's got
0: to clear that physical. That's the thing. Right. He's got to pass the test, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, they've, they've got an agreement in principle, right? I think we can say that, right? you
1: know? And then, as far as kicker Jake Bates, a guy who just did kickoffs, handled kickoffs in, yep. in Arkansas, he failed his physical um, and will not be signing with the Bucks. So the Bucks have. Two open spots left on this roster. Um, right now, currently three, but you got tentatively yeah. signed Sean Tucker. So two open spots on the roster. Could potentially be filled by one of these guys at rookie minicamp. We'll yeah. see if anybody else stands out tomorrow. I thought Tanner Taula had some good catches too as an undrafted guy that mm-hmm. signed. Um, but other than that, I didn't really see any of the other guys that really stood out to me that were that were tryout players. Yeah. Um, we'll take a better look tomorrow um, once they have another day to uh, digest what the, you know, game plan is going to be tomorrow and what the what they're going to be going through so um but they they do have two more open roster spots to fill Mm -hmm. on this team um with the news of jake bates uh failing his physical not signing. i'm
0: sure that that's mike greenberg and jason light when it comes to finding a couple guys to sign they're going to do the right thing and they're going to be smart with their investments
1: at Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. You We're so happy Thank for you. you, thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track, so you can still prepare for
0: tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. I don't know if Mike Greenberg uses Muni Financial, but damn it, he should. Why? Because it's a hell of a company. <laughs> and, getting uh, you to
1: Colorado. <laughs> yes.
0: I, I, you know, I talk about it all the time, JC, but I really need to go to Colorado. I'm going to Colorado. Ashley and I go to Colorado on Sunday. We're so excited. So we have a little bit of vacation here. I, w- I won't be on the Pewter Report podcast next week, so I'll miss all you Pewter people. But uh, stick around because we're going to have four new podcasts next week and then Shortly thereafter, OTA star, we get to look at the veterans and the rookies all together, which would be fun. But before that, let me get this immunity read uh, going here on this Friday night. Proudly serving clients across the country, not just in Florida, folks, not just in the Tampa Bay area, but across the country. Uh, immunity Financial can help you plan ahead and stay ahead. That's what they do. That's That's the name of their game, and that is what they are experts in. Why wouldn't you want experts on your side? Uh, these are the pro bowlers, folks, when it comes to uh, finances, whether it's uh, you know uh, insurance services, whether it's brokerage services, whether it's legacy and retirement planning, whether it's getting those college savings accounts for the kids. Let immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. I am a fin- uh, Muni Financial customer. I highly recommend Immuni Financial. Give them a call. Tell them Scott Reynolds from Pew Report sent you 1-800-868-6864. That's one 800 or visit them on the web at Immuni.com.
1: Scott, I'm seeing a lot of scheduled talk right now in the comments, and uh, if you are a betting man, which I know you are, the Bucks yep. opened as seven-point underdogs to Minnesota for week one. Well, yep. they just traded zadarius Smith. Uh, to the Browns. So they're gonna be down an edge rusher and word on the street is that they will be releasing Dalvin Cook post June first. Wow. So that team just got a little less dangerous. So get your bets in now. The best yes. place to do it <laughs> my bookie agent.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah my bookie for sure. And um uh yeah I, I appreciate that. Well deserved uh we we work hard man this this has been um uh, People say, you know, well, what do you guys do in the off-season? Well, we cover the draft and free agency intensely. This is
1: the off-season. <laughs> yeah.
0: The off-season happens pretty much like, you know, May, June, July for us. Uh, so, that you know, it's, it's going to be a fun little break. But, again, make sure that you stay tuned uh, for Monday's episode of the Pewter Report podcast. Uh, Matt Matera will be on. We have some special guests coming up next week as well. And make sure that you go to the mothership, pewterreport.com. We've got great um, – <coughs> We're going to have some more uh, rookie minicamp talk and and stories. You've got a story in the works on um, Payne Durham. I've got the story in the works on Cade Warner. And and we're going to have plenty of other content all weekend long. Best Bucks coverage at pewterreport.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our Facebook page is Growing by Leaps and Bounds. Make sure that you are following us at Pewter Report. And as always, Pewter Report TV on YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're nearing 10,500 puter people, as subscribers, we're excited about that. And make sure you hit the like button as well. Yeah, Tomorrow, if you guys
1: watch on Twitter, if you watch on Facebook, come on over to the YouTube side, join, subscribe, because uh, that's where the party's at. That's where the super chat's at to get your voice heard uh, louder than anybody else's. That's right.
0: And we appreciate that comment there from Performance do Greatest episode yet. So excited for the season. Awesome show tonight. Well, you guys had awesome comments and questions. That's why we do this thing. For J.C. Allen, I am Scott Reynolds, and we're going to remind you to come by tomorrow night for day two wrap-up show of the Bucks Rookie Minicamp. Uh, J.C. will be on with Adam Slavon. That should be a fun show. So spend your night with Saturday, Saturday night with the Pewter Report at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. For J.C. Allen, I am Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.